Boom, 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 boom. What's up, people? I'm going a little early today. Going a little early. Oh, man. How you guys doing, huh? You doing good? Let's see. You know, yesterday I had Nick on pretty much right away. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day. Hope your Valentine's Day was good. Mine was great. Mine was great. And then what's interesting is, you know, uh, I've been sugar-free since January. On February 1st, I had uh, like a sugar day. I felt like crap. And then uh, I went sugar-free again. But I'm going to be honest with you, on Valentine's Day, for my wife, I had a cannoli. So out of, what what day is it? Out of 45 days, 46 days, I've had sugar two days. For two days. That's it. That's it. And I feel great. And I feel great. I feel great about it. I do want to talk about this Chris Harrison getting canceled thing real quick. If you don't know the story, Chris Harrison came out and defended a woman that went to a plantation and took pictures. Now, the girl's young. Uh, so her defense, what people were saying for her defense, like Chris Harrison, I haven't heard anybody else defend her, but it's they were saying, oh, well, she was young, dumb, it happened in 2018. Chris Harrison said, we need to wait till she comes out and speaks. I have some advice for white people and listen up because I don't want you to get canceled. Okay. Stop thinking that things started in 2018. Think about other people's past in history. And this goes for all ethnicities. Don't think it just started when they did it. Like no white people would get in trouble if they were to think, okay, Black people's heritage and history is slavery. So this girl is on a plantation. So don't say, oh, 2018, she's a different person. It's 2021. That's three years ago. No, this is a deeper problem. It's not about canceling people. It's about people understanding the history of people and education. Like my thing is education. People need to be smarter about things. And I don't care who you are. I don't know how old the girl is, but everybody knows about slavery. And this is not a black issue. This is not a white issue. I'm talking about Native American. I'm talking about everybody has a history. I'm talking about homeless people have a history. You know? So let's think about the person's history. Think about how they could be feeling now. And then put ourselves in their position for empathy. Then you answer a question like that. That's my take on the whole Chris Harrison. And he kept going on and on and on about it. I mean, is that too much to ask? Like I said before in this podcast, my goal for everybody this year is not to even love each other. I don't need people to like each other. I just want people to be decent with each other. That's it. Just be decent with each other. So why Chris Harrison is getting canceled, why people want Chris Harrison off The Bachelor to get fired is because he kept going on and on and on about this girl, Rachel, that, you know, was on a plantation. And he's like, well, maybe we need to know 
more about it. What more do you need to know? Now, I'm not a person to cancel somebody. I still like, like, I don't cancel people because I'm a comedian. We get canceled enough. But my thing is, I'm going to say it one last time, dear white people, before you answer questions on any other ethnicity, think about the history of their people. Put yourselves in their position now. Have empathy. Then you answer the question. It's just that simple. Then nobody would get canceled. If you're a big, famous TV host, Chris Harrison making something like six, seven million dollars a year. Now he's going to get canceled because he's defending the girl Rachel on a season. And here's what I think. Look, I don't know. I, I, I don't know spoilers. I don't know anything like that. My wife forces me to watch this Bachelor show because she loves it. Loves it. The best feeling in the world is when I fall asleep during it. And she gets so upset. But that's my thing. So my thing is I think, and I'm guessing, I don't know, I think Rachel actually wins. They sent Chris Harrison to extra to do this interview to kind of like, hey, you need to clean this up. She's our winner, and we can't have a girl looking like a racist that wins. So go in there, go in there and clean it up a little bit. Clean it up a little bit. And Chris Harrison's the team guy. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll clean it up. Here's what I know. He didn't have a publicist with him. Because if he did, that publicist would have ended that interview quick. So he probably thought, look, I've been doing this for whatever number of years. I, I got this. I got this. He didn't have a publicist. So he thought he was going to clean it all up. And it made it worse for him. And now the show that probably put him in that position is like, well, you need to take a break. You need to step away. So, ah, ah, that's what I think about the whole Chris Harrison thing. I'm very excited. Coming up in a minute, Audrey Stewart. What am I, look, here's the thing. When I'm around this girl, she always makes me laugh. Always. Just her vibe. She can get out her car and just walk. And I'm laughing. It's just something about her mannerism that makes me laugh. And I wanted to get her on the podcast. And you guys need to show her a lot of love. I'm going to go through some of your comments that are coming in. Jenny Beach, what's up? How are you? Thank you for checking in all the time. And you guys are making this, um, like I said, two and a half months, 40,000 people on my Facebook page. You know, the morning yo, now we have close to 180,000 people in two and a half months. You guys are crushing it, destroying it. We're a thousand away from 180. So share this, share it, get it out there, share it. Uh, Sheila, hi, Mr. Yo. Hala from Indy. What up, Indy? Uh, we got Lynette Bradshaw. Hi, Michael Yo and family. What's up? See, I love Lynette. She's sending a shout out to all other people watching the podcast. And what I also love, this is really like a family because if somebody has a problem or somebody needs some love, you guys will jump in their feed if they say something on the timeline and show them some love. That's what I love. This is a community. This is all about love and positivity, man. I told you that from the beginning. It's too much hate in the world. Uh, Rose. Good morning, Michael. Holy cannoli, I know. The whole Chris Harrison thing. Kayla, hey, yo. Hey, Kayla. How you doing? How you doing? Did you see Wendy Williams? Uh, she was a question on Jeopardy, I think. And they go, who says, how you doing? And all three white people did not know it was Wendy Williams. I was like, how do you, are you not, even if you don't watch Wendy Williams, just random people know when they go, how you doing? That's Wendy Williams. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because I've been on her show a bunch, but I don't know. All right, man, I'm getting so many comments here. 
Okay, here we go. Bad enough. He went on and on to talk about a black woman during an interview in The Bachelor is Black. Thank you, Tamika Tammy Simmons Shipman, the longest name in the game. How do you put that on the back of a jersey? How do you put Tammy Simmons Shipman on the back of a jersey? You must never play sports. I'm just throwing it out there. All right, here you are again. I love The Bachelor too. Chris Harrison said he's volunteering to step. Yeah, volunteering. We all know how that works. If you watch Fox News, which I don't, but I hear hosts, they take a vacation, then all of a sudden, oh, they don't have a show anymore. Oh, who's this? Melanie. Hi, Michael. Always love the positive. You know, I'm just trying to bring love, love and happiness. I grew up on Al Green. My dad made me listen to it. Not make me listen. I love me some Al Green. Freddie, I went to high school with this dude. What up? No power and frozen. I know Houston is snowing. It's frozen. It's crazy. I want to get to my guest because I absolutely love her. If you have a question about comedy or anything about my guest, please hit me up in the comments because I would love for you guys to show her some love. Hold on one second. How one second. Jenny Beach. How could they not know it was Wendy? You are awesome on the Wendy. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Audrey Stewart. How are you, girl? Hey. What's up? <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. It looks like you're in a closet. What's going on? I I'm in my new apartment. Hold on, let me try to. I don't want you yeah. to have it cleaned. It okay. There you go. There you go. So you're so you're in uh your your new apartment. You just moved. How was that? It was okay. So I just moved in by myself. Um, I lived when I first moved to LA. I lived with six roommates in a small Hollywood shoebox. There's four rooms. So there was like two people to the rooms. And then I lived with five people. And now I live by myself because I've been saving and saving and saving. And it feels great. So so you actually are living the true, you went through the true Hollywood experience. Six roommates, five oh, yeah. roommates. I might oh, yeah. I'm making enough money now to have my own place. Yeah, boys. Always. All boys, very so it was wild. <laughs> wait, wait, so all guy roommates? Yeah, there was my first place I lived in, they were all gay, so all gay male roommates, and it was very fun. And then I entered that community as well, so it was just like the best. And then my last group of roommates were, uh, yeah, they're straight, and it was just, it was wild. I got okay, so did you like the gay roommates or the straight roommates better? I'm going to say I like the gay roommates better because they were cleaner than me. And uh, <laughs> I was the dirtiest one. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the, the, the straight roommates that, you know, obviously I love them all, but it was really dirty in there and it felt more like a frat house. And I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Now, now uh, I saw you on stage and you said recently you came out. Yes. So, so when you were living with the straight guys, did they ever try to hit on you or they knew? I think that you knew. I think as soon as you shake my hand, you kind of know. When I'm like, hey, Audrey, and you're like, that's a strong grip. Something's up. <laughs> I got, so, I mean, with the comedy community, it must've been great to be a part of that community because they accept everybody. They don't care. Yeah, it was actually through stand-up, I think that made me, you know, come out because I think when I first moved to LA it was just like a feeling I had that you know I kind of buried deep down and I 
you know, through all the comedians I've talked to, they're like, if you want to succeed in this business, you need to get up on stage and, you know, really tell everyone who you are. And like, you need to have your voice and your point of view. And I thought like, you know, I wanted to succeed in this industry. So it forced me to really look at myself and be like, okay, Audrey, who are you? And then all that just kind of came out flooding with it. You know, one thing about stand-up, which I know is you have to be honest. It's an it's the most honest profession, and if it's fake, people read right through it. People see right through it. And I saw you on stage. We both did the Magic Castle show, which was the weirdest show ever. And Tammy oh, Joe, she's she's, so great, but... she's saving comedy in L.A., letting us perform. But for people that don't know, you drive into a parking lot, and they give you clappers. And after you tell a joke, everybody like clicks the it's little. It's really deep. That's that. Yeah, hold on. Let me widen your screen. That's it right there. So click it together. Yeah. So uh, that's how people clap. But can you click it? Will it make noise? Yeah. So look, usually it's so funny that I have these right here for some reason. <laughs> but yeah. So that's how you get applause in a parking lot. It's absolutely crazy. It was so fun. It was so fun. But I heard you on stage say you came out. And I wanted to know, how has your comedy changed? Has it gotten, do you feel like it's gotten better now and people are receiving it a, 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 in a different way and a lot better? I think I think it's gotten better. I think what's, you know, it's so, because I have people, like I don't have a lot of fans, but I have like a small group of people who've been kind of following me uh, from the beginning. And my the whole beginning of my standup was like, everyone thinks I'm gay, I'm not gay. And then it turned into, I might be gay, whatever. It's this whole journey I kind of took everyone on. And um, and then finally, you know, it was like, you know, I'm dating a woman, this is whatever. And it reached the peak of the journey and now it's starting a whole new journey. And I think now that, you know, I've squashed some uncertainty, it like, cause a lot of the humor in my old bits were the, was the uncertainty, but like, you can only do so much with that, you know? And now that I have like a solid, idea of you know who I am now I feel like I'm creating more ideas and pulling from more experiences and like I feel like I'm able to be more wild too which is because I'm already so wild but I feel like there's more of a weight that's lifted off me and I feel like more free like I can stage dive more how, <laughs> how crazy is it that we're in a profession that uh the more honest you are the better but also what's great about it is you know, are you, do you act as well? Are you trying to yeah, be an actress? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. after you get so many no's in acting, it's great to go on stage. And I think we have an advantage as a comedian. It's great to go on stage and get yeses. So you could have, you could bomb three castings in a day, go on stage, crush it, or do really well and be like, okay, I'm still worth something. Yeah, exactly. I love having stand up in this, because this industry is so tough. So like if you are doing acting or whatever and sketches like stand up the end of the night you're like grinding you're going to shows you're like you know i'm working towards my dream it feels like i'm working towards my dream i yeah stand up is literally the best thing in the entire world so eric rivera you know him he's a comic have you ever met eric rivera i've heard i think so he goes I uh i just got here is she puerto rican because she still has a christmas lights up behind her <laughs> <laughs> and they're so like badly strong too Literally, my my decorations are just they're they're bad. They're bad. I got these twinkle lights from IKEA. No, not Puerto Rican. No. <laughs> Wait, when did you move in? When did you move in? Literally like two weeks ago. So you put these Christmas lights up on purpose. It wasn't even close to Christmas. 
I tried, I like Googled, I was like, what do you girls or women or what do people like to do in like homes by themselves for decorations? And someone said, twinkle lights. So then I went to Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually bought these for your play. <laughs> and then, yeah, these paintings, I mean, I only got them because they have meaning and they're from artists, like struggling artists on TikTok. So I was like, I feel like. Oh, that's nice. You're a good person. <laughs> Yeah. So, so where are you from? Tell me more about you. Where are you from? Well, in the beginning, I heard you address one of the comments. I'm from Indy. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah. What What did you love about Indy? I love Indy. I'm a Hoosier. Um, did I you love go to Indiana University. I did. I really okay. did. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I was a Hoosier, um, and I think I loved Indy because it's 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 like city, but it's still kind of small. So you still have your community. I went to North Central High School, the public school out there, and I loved it. And it was my favorite thing. And it was like, there's like 4,000 students. It was so big, so diverse. And um, I just, I had the best Okay, time. okay, hold on one second. When you say diverse, I can't see Hoosier University being that diverse. Well, my high school, my high school was, yeah. Okay, so your high school, okay. Indiana University was not, no. Not. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> okay. No. Nice. In, Indiana University was in Bloomington, Indiana, and uh, North Central was in Indianapolis. So, like the little city part. Now, in high school, did you play a lot of sports? Oh yeah. I mean, I was. I did it all. I weirdly, I'm not like this, like ooh, like. But I was, yeah, I was prom queen. Weirdly, um, you were prom queen, and you played. What sports did you play? Okay, so it doesn't, I mean, it seems like you're like, you play shot put, but I did cross country, and uh, <laughs> I was I was the only one with, you know, I was the tallest on the team and was kind of built. You did not want to cut a corner with me because you would end up in the bushes. I was a, Now, did you, did you get, did you get in fights? Were you a fighter in school? Um, no, I was, you okay. know, I, I, I was, I was not a fighter at all. I was okay. a pushover, <laughs> but I loved it. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, what, what made you move to LA? What was your um, number one? Why are you living there? Okay. So, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll try to shorten this story as much as I can, but I wanted to do comedy, you know, from like a young age of like eight years old. Cause I, you know, I was, I had severe ADHD. My parents didn't know what to do. They threw me in a bunch of theater classes. I went to an all girls camp. There was a talent show. Didn't know my talent signed up for it anyways. Uh, when it came to it, got to to me, still don't have a talent, improvised the whole song about being an eight-year-old with a bull cut. It crushed. Um, I knew from that moment, I was like, I love being on that stage. I loved people laughing and clapping for me. So I'm going to take this to the extreme. So I did like plays and comedy sports in Indianapolis. And then I interned out here um, for Power 106. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I love Power 106. Right. I love them. And I, I interned for them. And I was like, yeah, the comedy scene out here seems really good. Like, But I was more into groundlings and the improv scene, not stand-up yet. So then I was like, all right, I just have to, to move to L.A. And I packed three suitcases, left everything, got on a flight, bought a one-way ticket, moved in with all those boys, stayed in that tiny room for $400 a month, and uh, started babysitting and doing groundlings. And then found stand-up and took it from there what how did you find the roommates was it oh. like a craigslist type of situation or what no my friend lucy uh she's one of my she's my cousin's cousin such indiana stuff but she lived <laughs> she lived in la 
And um, she was like, I have some friends that went to college with me at Savannah College of Art and Design. They're looking for another roommate just to keep making their rent lower. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll do it. And then I moved in and, you know, it was nerve wracking at first. There's so many people in a small space. And then we just all became best friends. And it was the best. And I was paying no rent, like, basically. Oh, that's great. That's great. What, what's been uh, the toughest thing? since you moved to LA was it living with all those people or just the business or maybe something else you know I'd say the toughest thing I think it is it it is the it, it not anymore for me but it was the business I I'm proudly you know I have strong skin proudly love everything I learned in this industry but in the beginning I think you know I came in with so much energy and not like and I still have that energy but I was like you know I felt like I was so happy and so like excited and I wanted to be friends with everyone in our industry. And I feel like there are times where, you know, that kind of got shot down or they're like, that's not right there. And it just, I kept getting hits and hits and hits and it was kind of slowly taking me down. But then I got to the point, it's like, no, this is what it is. You have to build yourself back up and then stand tall and you'll see results, results, results. So I think in the very beginning that was hard, but and, and also coming to terms with my sexuality in that process too. Like I, you know, secretly going to like, le- like lesbian nights with other comics and being like, you don't tell anyone. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, that, that was hard too, but I feel not great. Did you ever date boys or you never dated boys? No, I did. Yeah. Okay. I did. And did I dated- you know when you, did you know when you dated them, like, nah, this ain't for me? No, because I only dated one boy and I, he was my best friend before. And I was like, I feel like I was more obsessed with him in our friendship than I was like in love with him. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, we're done. And I was like, you you broke my heart. And then like, <laughs> and then in LA, there was like three years of me trying to like, go out and like hit on guys and I'd be like, Hey, and then I'd be like, this is not attractive. And I, <laughs> and then I like even like try to hook up with a couple and I was like, Hey, you know, no. And they'd be like, what's going on? I'd be like, yeah, just leave. This is not working out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just leave. Just, just go. Just get out. So it was more of a realization, you know, later. So- squash so so the first time you hooked up with a girl was it high school college la when did you know it was women la i'm also a late like so grade school i went to catholic school in indiana and i feel like that suppressed me from a lot and i loved when i entered like public high school it was like woo but i was like i was so uneducated about sex about because you know in catholic school they're like it's wrong and whatever and you know, not knocking that religion at all. Just the way I learned it in that school was interesting. And then going to North Central, like I started learning about sex and I was like, uh, what is going on? And actually I took health my freshman year of high school and I started, I kept fainting because I just couldn't learn about it. And so I had to take <laughs> it again my senior year. So I was just like delayed with like wanting to learn more about sexuality and things. It wasn't until college, my junior year, where I lost my virginity to my boyfriend. literally i'm like taking you guys through such a like i love it i love it i love it like my neighbor next door like through my wall (laughs) hear me being like yeah and then i lost my virginity junior year (laughs) 
about Zoom shows, just screaming things. And he's like, oh, another Zoom show, huh? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, I was just delayed in the junior year of college. And then I lost virginity. Then out here, I waited until like two years of living out here, three years until I hooked up with a girl. And then- okay. Okay. All right. And, and you knew as soon as you hooked up with a girl, this is it. I emotionally knew. knew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now- now you just what I thought was funny is you just brought up Zoom shows. Uh, how do you like doing the Zoom shows? Because I've done a couple. I've had great experiences with them, but I've heard of people having terrible experiences with it. What's been your experience? I literally well, this is why I have these clappers right here because when people don't have their computers on and you don't hear laughter, I just go. <laughs> <laughs> All my jokes, so I have no idea. I don't want to hear the silence. I don't. Um, but I, I like them if everyone has their computers like turned on or their sound turned on. And sometimes it's really, sometimes it's lame to hear yourself doing crowd work with people through their computer. You're like, what's up, Rebecca? I see you cooking dinner behind you. You say, I can bitch. And everyone's like, okay, what's, but sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it gets fun and people are all like engaged and their computers on. And like, if someone's tuning in from Ohio, that's always wanted to see my stand up. I think that's cool because, you know, I'm not a headliner, so I'm not going to Ohio and selling out. Like, people don't really get to see me from out of states yet in this point in my career. So it's kind of fun for me to sometimes have them tune in. Now, this part of your career, how long have you been doing stand up now? Four years. Four years. Four years. What's the worst experience? The worst stand up experience? Oh, God. I mean, Jesus, there's been a few. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, there, <laughs> okay. I'd say here's a couple. Um, well, I think being a stand-up, you drive, you, you're told, oh yeah, you're going to have to drive places and do, you know, stand up and not get paid. I drove from LA to Washington state. What? Oh yeah. Yeah. For 10 minutes and $5. And, <laughs> hey, and, you, you gotta love it to do that though. Yeah, at a comedy club attached to a bowling alley. Lost <laughs> money, got pulled over. Uh all, like all this stuff happened. No one was at the show. Bombed. Bombed. I did two nights, bombed both nights. Um, and then drove back on and on my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> now why why look i know comedians will drive anywhere to do a show but i will never drive to washington to, for 10 minutes but yeah. no matter where i was in my career but what made you say yeah this is a good move i feel like i'm like an impulsive like i, I get impulsive i feel like i'm like get excited and i'm like 10 minutes <laughs> i only get five minutes in la right now that's it i'm gonna do it and then i'll just go and I won't think about it. I won't sit down and be like, is this, you know, the right thing? I'll just go. I'll just go. <clears throat> and that's, that's some things I've had to learn on the way. <laughs> Starting to say no to things because I was the yes man. I said yes to everything, anything, everything, always. But don't, but don't you believe like when you first start comedy, you kind of got to say yes because it doesn't matter. I, I've been told by big comedians, uh, Russell Peters being one. Look, it's not about the years you do it. It's about the stage time because that's the only way you grow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. I I, um, I did a workshop when I first started stand-up with for Barry Katz. And he was like, 
you know, you're only going to get better if you put in so many hours and you're doing it every, like almost every single night. And, and so, you know, that always stuck with me. So I'm like, I just have to hit every stage possible. And I feel like I still sometimes, you know, I still say yes and I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. Like I've been saying yes to the backyard shows and I'm like, is this going to be a scary backyard? But, <laughs> but you know, when I see you, every time I see you, like I said, you make me laugh uh, all the time, but it, it, I feel like you're fearless too. Like you, you kind of like, eh, there's a show in a basement. Fine. I, I yeah. could get killed, but let's go. Yeah. You're like you're that yeah. person. Yeah. I do think, I do feel like that. I do feel a sense of like fearlessness and strength. And that's how I, you know, I'm, ha I'm glad that you, uh, thank you for saying that. I feel like, um, oh my God, <clears throat> my voice. Woo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when I, if that shows in my standup bits too, cause sometimes I get really physical and sometimes I'll, think of a bit on the drive over that's so wild and out of control and like an act out and I'll just do it. And I don't, I won't really care if it works. It doesn't, if it does, it does, you know? So, so speaking about that, th this is interesting. So I kind of have a concept. I go on stage, I work it out on stage. Are you that type or do you try to write everything down first? Cause some comedians just write. Oh God. I envy some of those comedians. I can't, if you've ever looked at, it's funny because I left my comedy notebook at uh, my pal's house. That's also a comedian. And he looked at it and he said, I opened it up and it said, the first word was woo and like exclamation points. <laughs> and then I, I, I was like, what's up everybody? Like, I don't write how, like I try and then I stop at like woo. And I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't, I don't have the attention span to write it. I, I just, it doesn't work for me. And every time I look at my notes before I go on stage, Unless it's like a TV type five taping, 90% of the time of me looking at my notes, I go out there and I don't do any of the things I just looked at. So, so what, where would you say you are right now, four years in, in the LA comedy scene? Are you getting more mics or people asking you to be up more or is it still a struggle? I feel blessed. I do feel really blessed. Okay. I feel like I'm getting a lot of stage time. I felt lucky off the bat. I think when I started, I did a Laugh Factory show and like a few years ago, it was like after one year of comedy or whatever. And one of my bits went viral and blew up on their page. And a lot of bookers saw that. And I started getting stage time in LA from that clip. And then I just kind of started building off that and have really formed relationships with a bunch of bookers. So I feel like I'm pretty blessed. Okay, hang on. What what clip went? I want to look it up real quick. What yeah. clip went viral? It was like one of my first stand-up jokes I wrote. It was like- What is it? It's Laugh Factory, Who's Mugging Who. It's on their Instagram. Oh, could I put the link? Uh, let me see. Uh, what's, it, what's the name of the bit? Uh, it's like Who's Mugging Who. It's on my website, too. I have like a link to it. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, I see it right here. I see it right. Is it three minutes and 50 seconds? That's the YouTube. But the, the that's the, the Instagram clip, the one minute Instagram clip of it is the one that went super viral, viral like over 5 million. Okay. I want, I want to, oh, I want to do, wait, where'd it go? I just want to, uh, I want to put the link up just so people can check you out. Cause yeah. right now that, hold on, copy, control C, and I'm going to put it in the stream right here. Control V. <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to check out her comedy as well, make sure, hopefully the link, will, there it is. That's the link I just put up there. So make sure you click that to check out, check her out. Okay. Go ahead. What were you saying? You're getting a lot of stage time in LA. Yeah. Also, is it, I, I do realize I look kind of dark over here, don't I? 
Yeah, you need to get a ring light, girl. Come on now. I need, a, I need a ring light. Also, like, my eyes really dark. I was like, oh, I better try to put on some CVS mascara for this Zoom thing. And I just, like, clump my eyes, and I look like a demon. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> got to be more sun here. No, you know, yeah, you just got to put the computer, like, uh, where the sun is hitting your face. The sun can't be behind you. Like, the windows, behind you. Oh, like that. There you oh, go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, now you guys can see me more clearly. Everyone like signs off. I see my face and everyone just like stop looking to you. So so how's the pandemic been for you? I mean, like, how are you dealing with it? Are you scared to be in LA right now or are you pretty just chill about it? Um, I I I ha- I had it, so I feel better about it because I had it. And um, how was your experience? My girlfriend and I both got it over Thanksgiving. Um, she could not taste or smell, and I felt fine. I was blessed. I felt completely fine. My brain, you know, actually, I don't know if I can blame this on the pandemic, but my brain was a little mushy. Like we ordered lunch one time, and I was eating the ordered lunch, and I kept thinking the entire time I was eating that lunch what I was going to order for lunch. Then I asked <laughs> three times what we were going to order for lunch. And then she was like, while you're eating lunch. Yeah. While I was eating lunch <laughs> and we didn't even go on walks because we, you know, West Hollywood's a little crowded and I didn't even want to risk it going down the stairs. And can I tell you, can I, I don't want to cut you off. Can I tell you what's funny is I lived in a neighborhood in, La, in Los Angeles and when you would walk down the south, it was like chicken. Like literally it's like, who's going to move over to the other side yeah. of the street. It would be like 50 yards. 40 yards. Bring it on. Bring it on. Who's moving across the street? (laughs) It was like a game of chicken, like when the pandemic first started. It really is. You're like, you're, you're basically dancing with people like while you're like, you know, trying to move them over, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah, we did not even leave to get fresh air. Nothing. 14 days inside, no fresh air. And it was also, we had a curfew, uh, the curfew was at like nine. So we were thinking about doing late night walks, but we were like, no, we can't, you know? So, so when I saw you at Tammy Joe's show at the magic castle, you said, Oh, I just picked up another mic. Where'd you go after the show? And how was that show? Oh, I went to a, a backyard show. Was it the backyard Inglewood show? And how was it? Okay. It was great. So those are one of those, it, that's an example of one of those shows where you say yes and you don't know what you're going to get. It's a backyard show. You're like, okay. It was this mystical, like, garden, like, like three different, la- like, levels. And there was, like, everyone was a mass and, like, everyone was spaced out and everyone was catered. I, you know, I still kind of, like, get worried. So I'll just kind of try to go off on the far side of the audience. Like, I won't really try to mingle within them. Um, but it was, it was, and everyone was, like, ready to laugh. And I don't know what was going on, but they said that there was a sponsor and they had shrooms. And I guess some of the audience members were on shrooms and the laughter was out of control. I was like, hey, yeah, I'm from Indiana. And they'd be like, ah, ah, I'm it. and I'm like, oh, yay. So You know, I've never, I, I heard they do weed shows now, like uh, the backyard van jam or whatever it's called. Like people just smoking it up outside and watching comedy. Have you done one of those shows? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. And how, how are those? Are they more laid back or is it rowdy? It, it depends. So I did, I've done a few and the first one I did everyone, cause they also get a whole cooler full of alcohol too. Oh my goodness. And, and my energy is I'll feed off their energy and I, I'll like, I'll like seek it out in the beginning. If I know pe- there's a cooler or people are drinking, I'm like, all right, who's drunk. And if everyone's like, Woo! then I'm like, Woo! and the set, just like in the set and energy is out of control. And it's like high, high energy, whatever. And the second one I did, everyone was stoned, I think. And the energy was way down, but I knew if I got like a small stoner chuckle, I was crushing it. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take that as a kill. Yeah, that's a kill. That's yeah. a kill. What to you? What's the toughest room in LA? Like when things are open up? Mm, that's a great question. I know that my uh, my favorite room. Oh, the toughest room is the lab, the Hollywood. Yeah. Lab. Oh, that's literally where I was talking to Joe Rogan about that's where comedy uh, comics go to die and just so they could feel how it is to die on stage. But that's the same thing. If you get a chuckle in that room. Oh yeah. It, it will murder everywhere else. And I'm wondering, did you ever like, I sit there and think, why is this room? Why is this room so bad? You know, like I, I can't figure it out though. Why? Look, I love Melrose improv. It's a phenomenal club, but everybody knows the lab. It's tough to get laughs in. And I'm wondering, is it too bright? Is it too, I, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I wonder that all the time too. I wonder if it's like the plate, like how it's like built with the bar on the, but then I'm like, it's kind of dark. Like, it's kind of like, I don't know why the word moist came up right away. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a moist room. <laughs> it's a dark, moist dungeon, I think. And honestly, and I think that like tables are so close to each other that like, I think that groups of people are weary of like, of like laughing and I don't know, or like, it's, it's just weird. Yeah. I, I think, I think what I, what I figured out, if you do crowd work in it, you crush because yeah. they want to be taught. But if you just go on and do your set, you know, it's going to be lukewarm. Uh-huh. Like you definitely have to address people because they're so close. Like literally you can touch the person. So you kind of have to address that. And Audrey, you can't go up there with a lot of energy because the room is so, do you, do you control it? Like, do you bring it down a lot? When I say one of the bookers was like, yeah, just like try to get them, get them awake. And I was like, when I say, I said, Oh, everybody, let's do the wave. No one did the wave. And you know, <laughs> I bombed for 10 minutes after that because I started with that and I just heard my own voice echoing and I was like, okay. All right. Well, uh, Courtney says, uh, what? You have Audrey? Yay. Oh, Courtney. Yay. Do you know Courtney? I love Courtney. Oh, she's the best. She's the best. So, um, no, the, the, that's what's, have you gotten over the silence? Because I'm at a place where, and I talk to a lot of comedians, it's always about the audience, but you reach a level where you're kind of doing it for yourself. And if the audience is on board, they're on board. And if they're not, you don't really care where when you first start, like you care about always having them laugh. Like I'm a type of guy that will do a joke with two minutes of silence because I'm setting up the story. For a big lot like it took a while to get there but now i love telling stories and i and i'll preference this to this 
Dave Chappelle right now is not really telling jokes. He's right. making points. He's making statements, adding one joke at the beginning, one joke at the end, you know, but it's really about the meat. And I love if that's the way comedy is going, you know, I, I, that's more of me instead of the ba-boom, 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 right. ba-boom. You know, uh, and I and and I respect those people that can do a joke every five seconds. But I love the storytelling. When I watch you, it's more of storytelling as well. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I I'm with you 100. I think I've got definitely gotten to the place where you know I, I don't mind not having big booms of laughter um, at all. Like I think, like I think I told you too, the driving show. Sometimes I'm so having so much fun, and sometimes I'm so loud. And in what I'm saying that I don't even know if there is laughter because I'm hearing my own, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I don't know if that was over laughter or not, but like, I just don't care. And I feel like I, now that I know, you know, who I am, I just have a story to tell and I'm so excited to tell it. And I'm also so excited to relate to people, you know, like, you know, things that I've gone through or whatever, I, I have a lot of stories that people could relate to. And I'm excited to hopefully have people to relate to that versus having people laugh at it. You know what I mean? I got you. You want people to feel it, not just laugh at it. Yeah. I want people to feel it. And I like, I had this girl come up to me after my show. Cause I have all those bits about, you know, loving my body and being more built or like, you know, being more masculine. And, you know, she came to me and she was like, you just made me feel so much better. And like, like, I feel like, you know, and she follows me to this day and she always comments on my stuff. She was like, look, like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, but like, she was like, you just made me feel so good. And like, you know, strong. And I was like, that just made, you know, that's worth it to me than someone being like, you are the most hilarious. I had three yeah. million lights and you're, cru you crushed it. And it's like, no, I'd rather, you know, me like. Well, I'll tell you a quick story and people that listen to the podcast, they know the story, but I was my first year and a half in, well, it was like a year in, I did comedy juice when it was the big thing yeah. in LA just a year in. And I had a, I had a great set, but the dude that was last crushed it, like destroyed it. And walking out of the club, my friend Joe Coy, cause we went together, looked mm -hmm. at me and, and went, you had the best set tonight. And I go, what are you talking about? That last guy crushed it. He goes, what's that? What's that? He goes, what's your set? I know your name. I know uh, your dad's black, your mom's Asian. I know things about you. He goes, tell me the last comic's name. I go, I don't know. And he goes, that's what people are going to say when they leave. That last guy was awesome. What's his name? I don't know, but he was awesome. But with you, they're going to be like that, Michael. Yo, I know about him. I, I'm attached to him. And, and it, it all came around when I figured out that people care. Like people outgrow jokes, but they don't outgrow you. So Joe Coy is my mentor and he makes all his jokes about him. So you're invested in him, which when I saw you on stage and you talked about, I finally came out and then I heard comedy about it. Now people are invested in you because we've seen comics come and go. And those are the ones that's just about the jokes. Right. But when you make it about you, the Bill Burr's talking about his family all the time. Richard Pryor talking about his problems. Eddie Murphy talking about his problems. Dave Chappelle talks about what he goes through. Right. It's not about jokes anymore. It's about you. And that's what I love the way you're going right now. And I, I think uh, you're going to do really well since you're bringing out the real you. Oh, God, I appreciate that. And no, I, I mean, that's the way you put all, put all that. Yeah, is amazing. Yeah, I, I absolutely 
agree. Like, you know, you'd rather know that person than I, cause I can't remember. And that's why I did really bad in Vegas. Actually, I did the laugh factory in Vegas and I opened for uh, a comedian that was like, joke, 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 joke. And it was like, you know, everyone was like, I loved, I want this. I hate saying the word hacky because they are still talented and I don't, you know, it was a little, you know, jokes kind of were like Vegas. Well, well one thing about Vegas, people got it's from people from everywhere and they want easy jokes. Exactly. Yeah. And they I, want the they want the take my wife, please. Like like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they and no disrespect to any comedians, but you know, I live in Vegas now. I actually pop in to places. Yeah. Now, but I still do me. So mm-hmm. it's it's being able to because I don't change anything when I go on stage because like we've talked about, I'm to a point where if you don't like my jokes, you don't like my jokes, but I haven't had that problem in Vegas because I really defined who I am as soon as I go on stage. And now I think if you ever come back, you won't have that problem because you really know who you are now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would hope so. I would love to do it again now to see, but that was like another experience I had that if we, when we were listening, you know, like, bad experiences that was rough because I hosted and I was there for I mean how many nights three nights four nights and it was four just, nights yeah four nights not and it was like what two years in a comic not hitting not hitting nothing was hitting so so I, I gotta ask you this what is the reaction of the other comics when you get off stage for because I think you do eight shows out there so what is that reaction just like yeah you got it go <laughs> like literally like so such funny comedians like Greg Hahn was headlining a couple of the nights and he was he's just so goofy and he was like oh well I think you're funny and I'm like, <laughs> like alright Greg yeah <laughs> and we would go in the basement cafeteria during the days and just eat all day and Greg would just tell me stories and then I would just get up all night and bomb <laughs> <laughs> But hey, it's growing. You got to grow through those. It was growing and it was still like a lot of fun, but it was rough. Yeah. That was a wake up call because I was, I felt like I was, you know, LA, I was getting comfortable, whatever. And then I went to Vegas and it was, you know, it was a wake up call. Um, got you. Yeah. But I've been traveling, like I've traveled a few other places now, not too, like kind of recently. And in my jokes have been doing, you know, like my storytelling has been doing pretty well in those places. Well, was- it's, it's just all experience. I mean, keep doing it, keep doing it. Like, it's a thing where when I even, it's a confidence you get even when you try out new jokes that you build up. Uh, what's weird is I know what's funny now to people that like me. And I can practice that in front of people. And I know I have enough to make it hit where you would see it the first time and go, oh, that's that's funny. It's not there yet, obviously. So right. it's it's weird where you'll get to a place where you know it's funny. And when yeah. you say it, it'll be funny. It's not where you want it, but it will get there. And it's weird when you keep doing it, you just feel it. You know, it, it, it's the craziest thing. Right. You know, so, it, yeah. But uh, I, I got to run. You were awesome. I want to do this again. Like I'm talking to like all everyone listening to him. Like you guys, <laughs> you know, seriously, they've been they've been chiming in. What's your uh, Instagram? Because I want to. I'm writing follow Audrey right now on the feed. So what is it? Audrey Stew is art. Cause it's so it would be Instagram.com/slash Audrey Stew. Yeah, A U D R E Y S T E 
W is art. I S. Wait, S T W is art. Wait, Audrey. <laughs> oh my God! What what is <laughs> going on? So bad. Okay, it's Audrey Stu is art. So Audrey Stu and then is art. Wait, S T E W. Yeah, S T E W I S A R T. I S A R T. I hopefully I did it right. Yeah, my Instagram is oh. wild, so buckle up. Buckle up. All right. Well, thank you, Audrey. And uh, so people can find you on Instagram. Anything else you're promoting or you want to get out there? No, I post all my shows and stuff on there. I do wild sketches and, you know, fun little projects. But also, thank you so much for having me because I'm honored and this was a blast. My neighbor's probably pissed, but who cares? But whatever, whatever. <laughs> you're making moves, girl. You're making moves. You're the best, truly. No, you're the best. The best. And, I, and I can't wait to see you again. Uh, so hopefully... You know, we'll perform uh, together again. And if uh, if you share this on your Facebook, then people can, you know, find you on your Facebook as well. So that's oh, where. And this will be on a podcast. Probably I'll put it up uh, in the next day or so. But the Facebook is the fam right here. So I appreciate you. And you have a great one. OK, you too. I appreciate you. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>